ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Catholic Influencers Podcast. A conversation to help Catholic influencers like you and me go deeper and further in influencing our world for Jesus. I'm your host, Father Rob Gallia. And I'm your co-host, Danny Sullivan. And today we look forward to talking to you about mental illness. A tough topic indeed, Danny. Mm. Well, I'm here. I'm just looking at my my dog, Gozo, who's sitting on the carpet. <laughs> we have in our office, half three quarters of the office is shiny floors, shiny wooden floors. And then we have a nice carpet. My And my dog is is terrified of the shiny floor. Which is awful because you think, yes, having an office dog, this is the best. But he never walks to my desk because it's on the opposite side. It's no. too far away from the carpet. He gets scared. So he just stays just stays on the carpet. He's looking down for a place to, to lie down. Anyway, the, the, the life of a dog. How, how nice. Sometimes, not often, but I used to especially. Um, I used to think, ah, how amazing the life of a dog is. We have nothing to worry about. People looking after you. You don't need to worry about your anxiety. You don't need to worry <laughs> about um, go, going through being bored or, or doing the wrong thing and and th- but now I think once my life has sort of come together a little bit more I start to think oh, I can't imagine anything worse than having the life of a dog just lay- laying yeah. down lazing about all day just like a lot of eating and sleeping but not much productivity exactly but today we want to talk about mental illness and how it affects it affects countless people you know we do school camps um, and uh, we run retreats and it's amazing how many young people um because they have to fill up forms you know how many young people um, suffer from mental illness like depression anxiety and it's becoming more and more prominent more um maybe we're becoming more aware of it but a stigma or something yeah but also it's just it's all around us and whether it affects you or someone else we all know someone um, that has been affected or is affected by by mental illness i myself went through it for for many years and i still suffer from a slight form of depression but i think i managed to handle that much much better today than uh, than i used to in the past Yeah, me as well. I mean, I went through pretty awful depression for a few years there. And then it's only recently, really, that I've kind of become healthier, I guess, and stronger and able to deal with it better. And, you know, it's going to be a pretty awful lifelong battle. But yeah, I think, you know, that's part of growing up and bringing mental illness to light is that there are strategies that we can, you know, mm. help ourselves with to stay healthier. And that's, but you're a Christian, Danny, like you, you follow know. Jesus, you're close to Jesus. Why would you suffer from depression? Oh, that anxiety? is a question I asked Jesus a lot. And yes. it was, we had a lot of conversations about it. And then I, someone else probably just told me like, Danny, no one's exempt. Like mm. it's not a spiritual thing necessarily. Like it can just be psychological or physical and I remember like battling with it for years and in a bit of backstory my life's pretty great so when I all of a sudden had depression and had it for a few years before I told anyone I went to psychologists and they kept trying to find out like some pain in my childhood or some hurt that would have led to this and there was nothing there Mm. so I like went from one psychologist to another and then they would try to find it then the next one would and eventually I found a new GP this was you know seven years into the battle and he just did a blood test and was like no you know what I think it's quite um by logical you know these levels aren't quite right and then this isn't working properly and there's this other issue I was so relieved I was like oh 
okay, that makes more sense than going from one psychologist to another trying to figure out what went wrong as to, oh, my depression might just be really primarily biological then with some psychological things as well. Yeah. And so that's interesting. You see that mm. depression is not only a battle of, of the mind, but it's also the battle of the body, our chemicals, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think this is one thing that we need to understand as well. And this is what I want to start off as well by saying, and it's so important that, um, that if you are suffering from depression, anxiety, or bipolar, or, or borderline, or whatever it may be, it is not because you are not strong enough. It's not because your faith is not strong enough or because you are not praying hard enough or that God has walked away from you. Having depression, having a, a mental illness is simply or maybe complicatedly, complexibly, I couldn't find, can't find the word, is because there are, there are things that may be, like in your case, Danny, chemically wrong with our bodies and with our minds. Or maybe we have gone through experiences that have caused um, some, um, some kind of mental or emotional trauma. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a person who has less faith. It doesn't make you a person who, who is wrong or, or who is bad. You are not evil and you are not wrong or, or, to, or to blame because of that. And there are solutions as well, which mm. uh, again, you ha have found in your life as well, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's not solutions that just come up overnight, especially not for me. And that's the thing with mental illness is that it's so complex, as you said, and there's not like one type and then one solution for that one type. You know, mental illnesses, there are so many types. And then for each type of mental illness, there's countless solutions. Um, but you know, for a period of my life, I was going every, I had like a rotation of GP, psychologist, psychiatrist, and then trying to work through that just to get healthy again. So yeah, like solutions, they're very practical, but then also my faith played a really important part in that as well. Absolutely. And faith again is, is not everything, but it is certainly mm. a big, 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 um, instrument. It's certainly a big, um, help for those who do have that wonderful gift of faith. Absolutely. And I remember father of you, it just became like this thing where I'd send you emojis when mm -hmm. like I'd been to the psychologist and psychiatrist and JV, whatever I was doing. And then I was like, oh, it's still not working. I think I'd send you like that little praying hands emoji yes, and you, you, you would just be like praying. And I'm yes. like, okay, cool, cool. You I've don't need to explain anything. Every base yeah. is covered. Absolutely. And, and this is where I think we need to stand together with those who are suffering and struggling yeah. that we pray together. And uh, again, I'm understanding that you are not your depression, mm -hmm. that you are not your mental illness, that you are not your anxiety. You are not evil and you're not bad because you have bad thoughts. And uh, uh, this is one of the things that carries us down. When you're feeling depressed, you feel evil, you feel bad, you feel dirty, you feel um, guilty all the time and you don't know why. And if only we understood that we are not our evil thoughts, we are not our bad thoughts, we are not uh, our sadness. And we are bigger than that. And this is why those who do have faith can hold on to Jesus. It's uh, we're covered by him, you know, his strength. And we don't have nothing to say, nothing to do. Just hold on to the cross. I don't know how many countless hours when I'm feeling sad, um, I just hold on to a crucifix and I just press against this crucifix. And I, I rest my head against the head of Jesus on the crucifix. And I don't say anything. I don't do anything. I just hold on to the suffering of Jesus and I, I'm covered by his suffering. 
I remember um, like when I was going through quite like the worst part, I had to like for work, I was asked to listen to this webinar and it just happened to be by Sister Hilda Scott. She's mm. a religious sister here in Australia. She's amazing. And she spoke about the heart of Jesus. But one of the lines she said was that, you know, when you're upset, Jesus isn't on some throne in heaven looking down at you. But when you're crying in your bed, he's crying at the end of your bed. Mm. And I remember hearing that. And thankfully, I was in a room by myself because I just bawled my eyes out. But I just remember hearing that and being so overwhelmed like yeah we have a god who isn't just going to watch us suffer but he's going to suffer with us absolutely he walks with us mm. and sometimes we are I'll say god why where are you in my suffering and god seems most absent when we're suffering yeah. but it's like that story of the footsteps you know he's actually yeah. carrying us he's there there's one set of footsteps of footprints and that is um, and jesus carrying us and i it, it it is so true i've found that in my life and very often you don't see it while you're suffering mm. but you see it after you see it before and, but there are solutions. And I, I really want to um, have this uh, um, podcast be a podcast of hope. Mm. Okay. One understanding that we are not our sadness, our depression, but there are ways we can make things better. Okay. And especially as Christians, that we have tools that we can use. Some of the things that we need to do and we need to understand is very often we need to set the process of the solution, the process of healing, not when we're at our worst, not when we're disabled, not when we're we're unable to function. But before, if we know we're going through moments of difficulty that we might go through depression, we need to set these things up before we go through our worst. And one of the things is, for example, is investing um, and and taming your thought process. You know, um, investing in a time of, of meditation and being able to take your thought process and, and be, be in control of that. Mm. Um, so daily meditation, taking an app, a mindfulness, something to control your thought process. The second thing is to invest in your spirituality, your relationship with Jesus. Know that he sits on the end of your bed. Know that you can talk to him at any moment. Absolutely. And another thing is, you know, go in and seeing professionals. So seeing a counselor or a psychologist. I mean, I know that I spoke about finding psychologists and them not being helpful, but I kept persevering in that until I found one that did. And they kind of helped me with what you said before, Father Rob, like taming that thought process with CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. Mm. So things like that, like getting professional help and talking with someone, you know, trying to work out why you feel this way, if it is from a hurt, and then how to work forward from this and heal so that you can be better again. Absolutely. Again, finding professional help yeah. that we cannot do it alone. And that also includes help from family. That also includes fr- help from friends that we don't need to carry this alone. It's too heavy. It's too heavy to carry alone. What's that saying? Like a burden shared is a burden halved. Exactly. That, like people want to help you. Yes. People want to love you. So let them. And if you feel that people, you're burdening people, that's fine. That's what we're there for. That's what people are there for. They need a part of humanity is to burden one another, to Mm. help each other carry our burdens in our lives. Um, Also, another thing is sometimes if you need to take medication, especially Mm. if it is prescribed by a a medical professional, of course, um, there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no taboo in that. You take medication if you broke your toe. You take medication if you um, are going through surgery. So why why is there so much taboo in taking medication if it is properly prescribed, of mm-hmm. course, um, from if and when it is necessary? 
Um, so, and then another thing that I say, and which I'm a great advocate for, um, is exercise and training ourselves to be physically active. Again, not only in our worst times, but in good times. And exercise is not necessarily going to the gym or running running a marathon, but simply walking around the block, but making a habit of it day in and day out. Um, Because you see, when I'm at my worst, I don't hold on to um, things that that come to me at that moment, but I hold on to things that I've set up before. So the minute I'm feeling depressed and down, I head straight to the gym, to my meditation, um, to the professional help, my spiritual director, all of these people Mm. um, I find in in time of, of, of darkness. And that physical exercise is so important. I know like when I was at my worst, I was in this really supportive workplace, which was such a blessing at the time where I could, you know, the days where I couldn't get out of bed, they were like understanding about it. But then another thing they did was every day, one of my colleagues would be like, all right, Danny, we're going for a walk. And we don't live too far from a beautiful, well, didn't work too far from a beautiful lake here in Bendigo. So every lunchtime, this colleague would be like, let's go, Danny, and we just go for a walk. And I didn't want to do it. It wasn't fun. But then it was so important to do it. And that kind of built a habit so that even when I'm in the light, that's just like, oh, it's lunchtime. I'll go for a walk around the lake. Mm. Um, so, you know, it is important to just get some fresh air and get some exercise. No matter how, like, you don't have to be a father, Rob. You don't have to go to the gym and, <laughs> and take gym selfies. And take all the selfies. You can go for a walk around a pretty lake. And that's enough as well. I'm just going to add a point here as well, Father Rob. Hope that's okay. The ongoing self-care as well. So yes, like all these things that you've mentioned are important, but one thing that this is just from my own experience is that I've had to come up with like a game plan so mm. that, you know, I'm in the light now. Um, I'm quite well. There is, there's always hope and you can come out of that. But then I have to, you know, make sure that I'm staying on top of all these things. So I've got this game plan of when I'm feeling a little bit down or when I get a little bit scared that maybe I am, you know, lapsing back into depression, my game plans is pretty simple. So the first thing I do is, you know, and this is something that I've got written down so that when I'm feeling sad, I go straight to it and I'm like, all right, what do I do first? And the first thing is I call one of my best friends and my sister and I tell them, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling down. I'm not too well. And then I organize a time to catch up with them in person. Thankfully, they both live maybe an hour and a half away. So it's not too far, but we sit down, we catch up. I might cry. We might laugh. We might watch a movie, but it's just to be with someone that knows that I'm a bit scared. And then there's prayer. I don't think I ever spend as much time in front of the blessed sacrament as when I'm down. Um, And then there's making an appointment with my psychologist. I do that ASAP. So usually it's when I'm with that friend or my sister and I make that appointment in front of them because I get quite socially anxious and I don't like making phone calls. Please only ever email me. But, you know, these are just three things that I do straight away so that I know that I can make those decisions in the light so that I don't go back to the darkness. Absolutely. Again, finding your your game plan. Mm. Um, again, in the time of light, not in the time of darkness. So you can default to it. There's no one answer. And you, again, you are not your failing. And understand this, that we need a game plan. If you are a Christian, you are not exempt from, from suffering. You're not exempt from mental health. So God has given us many tools. And he knows that even as his children, as his beloved, that we're all, we can suffer from mental health. And if you believe and know that God knows that you are suffering, you know that he wants you to get better. And He, you know that he wants you to be whole. 
But the thing is, you need to find the help. You need to get the game plan. You need to get the support that you need, especially in time of light. And so I really encourage you, encourage you to find the help you need. And if you're not well, just make sure you have the people around you to support you, to lead you to the help that that you need. And you are loved by God and he wants your freedom. So I just want to finish off this with, uh, before we go into the interview, to to uh, um, pray for those who are suffering from mental illness, those who are struggling. And so in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for every person listening here. We thank you especially for those who are struggling, those who have gone and are going through mental illness. Lord, give them your peace and give them your strength. Let them know that you are with them. You will never abandon them. You will never forsake them. Teach them to understand that you are there on the cross, walking with them, that you're wiping the tears away from their face, even though they don't see it. Give them the strength to step out, to seek the help that they need. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we're going to go into an interview with Father Dan Strickland. He's an MGL, a missionary of God's love priest in Melbourne at the moment, but he's also got his master's in counselling um, at you know conferences and different events around Australia. He does speak on this topic of mental health and mental illness. So we're going to go into an interview with him now. I'm here today with Father Dan Strickland. Father Dan, you're an MGL priest, that's Missionary of God's Love, and we're going to talk today a bit about mental health. Do you want to just introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and maybe a bit about why you think we've asked you to speak today on this podcast? Thanks, Danny. Um, Yeah, my name's Father Dan Strickland. Uh, As you said, I'm a priest with a relatively new Australian community of priests and brothers called the Missionaries of God's Love, and I head up the MGL seminary here in Melbourne. So this is where our seminarians complete a significant part of their training and their formation for the priesthood. And before taking on this role and leading up the program, I uh, had the opportunity to do a master's in counseling and worked in human development in the seminary. And I guess I find uh, myself being asked to speak on this topic and I really love doing so because um, I guess I bring a a combination of of training into this area of counseling and mental health, my training in theology and I guess my own spiritual journey and my own long-term struggles with mental health, with anxiety and uh, with depression in my earlier teenage years. And I think just in that, finding a way forward to a more holistic and a balanced approach to life and faith in my relationship with Jesus. So I find that kind of combination of training, um, my own mental health struggles and my pastoral work for the last 10 years seems to be something that people find helpful in their own journeys, uh, the issues that they grapple with in their lives and the challenges that they might come across in their faith as well. Thank you so much for that, Father Dan. You mentioned there like your own struggles with mental illness. I was wondering if you could just maybe define for us the difference between what mental health is and then what mental illness is. Yeah, so the definitions that I often use for mental health and illness, if I'm teaching on this topic, I took from an organisation called SANE Australia and that supports people with mental health issues. So what they say is that we're talking about someone with good mental health, then we're talking about more than just the absence of clinical symptoms. What 
we're talking about with good mental health is that basically we can manage our lives competently. We can kind of deal in a pretty robust way with the challenges that life throws at us and we can take satisfaction and pleasure in our everyday lives. And it also means that we can experience the range of feelings and thoughts that we all experience as humans in response to what happens to us. So happiness and joy and sadness and loneliness and disappointment and confusion. And those things are all completely appropriate and they're normal and they're healthy emotional responses to what happens in our lives. So moving on there to, I guess, what we mean by mental illness. I remember one of my lecturers described mental illness really well. She she talked about it as being a cluster of symptoms that a person can experience. So we tend we to think we look up a book, you know, uh, like a medical book, and we, we see, oh, that's depression. But she says, you know, a person is so much more than that. And a mental illness is really just a cluster of symptoms. Uh, and they've been classified into particular diagnosable conditions around how we think and feel. They have genetic origins and stresses and traumas can also trigger these in our lives. And they can start now early teens, late teens, early 20s, or they might start later in life. So basically what I kind of find myself saying is that if people in their lives have these feelings of sadness and disappointment and loneliness and confusion that persist over extended periods, if you can't link them to an obvious cause or if they're interfering with your capacity to live your everyday life and enjoy that and deal with the challenges of life, then that's probably a good time to seek out some support from a suitable healthcare professional. That's a really great and clear definition. Thanks for that, Father Dan. Um, And it's good to differentiate. I think because often you might hear like, oh, you know, mental health is on the rise, but you know, what's meant is mental illness might be on the rise. And it is, it's becoming more and more, I guess, acceptable in some places to talk about it. There's less stigma, thankfully. And Christians aren't exempt from mental illness. They suffer it just like anyone else. And it can often lead to kind of asking where, like, why would God allow this? Why would God allow someone who he loves and who loves him in return to suffer through something that can be so painful? And I was wondering if you could talk a bit about that, how it links with our faith. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Um, Look, they're really good questions. And I I find that the temptation uh, is to give just a kind of a cheap, pious, superficial you know, theological answer, which doesn't really address the real suffering, the isolation, the stigma, the pain, and often the anger that those of us who suffer with mental health issues are perhaps on a daily basis go through, particularly if we do have a real faith in God and we are struggling, you know, authentically struggling to find him in the midst of what we're going through. The truth is that um, I don't think there really is a one-size fits all approach to these questions or answer to these questions. I just don't. Um, I've been through this experience myself. I've walked with people who've been through it. I still carry the battle scars. And I know that even though I wanted answers to these questions as a way of alleviating my pain and trying to make sense of my experience, and also the shame and the humiliation that often went with it, that what I really wanted more, I discovered, was someone to just kind of sit with me, listen to me, actually not give me simple answers, not judge me, not tell me in a kind of a trite but heartfelt way, you know, Jesus loves me and I'm just going to grow through this and I'll be the best version of myself. I discovered that I just wanted someone to just be with me, take me seriously, take my pain seriously, not try and spiritualize it away and commit to walking with me in whatever way they're able to, uh, and really just knowing that I wasn't alone. And I think in some ways, 
I've come to understand that really this is where God is in the suffering. He's there in those kind of really rare but incredibly valuable people whose hearts have also been shaped by suffering and who are able to offer their time and their love to make the journey a bit easier for us forward and allowing our experiences to be validated and taken seriously and who don't offer us cheap and meaningless answers to our pain. And I think he's also there, and this is just my experience, but I've seen this in other people as well. He's there in the reality that um, I think through these kind of experiences, we get drawn into a vulnerability in prayer that really I don't think is possible without these kind of life experiences. It just isn't. We're, we're forced to confront our humanity. Um, and I often find that mental illness can be an incredible pathway actually for people into deep human and spiritual maturity because uh, the pain in their situation moves them to that place in their relationship with God where there's just no more fluff. There's no more pretense. There's no more, I can't say this to God or I can't say that to God. It's just real. There's a reality about the relationship. There's room for honesty. There's room for anger. There's room for vulnerability. There's room for pain and just human life. And somehow um, God is in all of that in ways that I don't fully understand, leading us into this raw and honest vulnerability with him. So is that the reason why God allows us to suffer with mental illness? Well, I don't really know. I only know that in my own life and in those that I've known who've also negotiated all the ups and downs of this reality um, and the emotional complexity of that, uh, that it's borne tremendous fruits of wisdom and compassion and maturity that just wouldn't have been possible otherwise and that we now make really as a gift to other people. That's really beautiful and that authenticity I think is important and that it's not one size fits all. You mentioned at the end there the gift that this is and I think that mental illness in particular is something that's often seen as a weakness and it can make the person with mental illness feel weak. It can, you know, there's still stigma that maybe they are weak but it is it is a gift. Um, and what are some of the strengths that you perceive come out of this, you know, this suffering that might be not often seen as a gift or a strength? Yeah, look, there's so many really. Uh, I think absolutely first and foremost, it's authenticity. Um, as I just said, the, the reality of mental illness just knocks the bulldust out of us uh, as we confront our humanity. And I think it's just the most marvelous and liberating thing for other people when they encounter that authenticity in us because of the journey that we've been through. It frees other people up to be authentic when they encounter our authenticity. I think self-acceptance, the capacity to accept and love myself as I am, uh, which is a really hard journey and one that I still have a long way to fully grow in, and learning in that what it means to truly be unconditionally loved by God, my Father, not just talk about it as an idea, but actually experience in my mess that that reality. Um, I think a real strength that comes out of it is that we learn that we have to get good support in our lives and that this is actually normal for human beings. I, I think a real problem in a highly individualistic and success-driven culture like Western culture, which Australian culture is, is that we we think we have to do it on our own. Now, that's just that's just nonsense. Uh, we were never intended to do it on our own, and we can't. Uh, mental illness teaches us that it's normal to reach out for support, for professional help, for friends, and for the love that we need in order to heal and to flourish. And out of this, um, I think there's three key strengths that I really talk to people about all the time that develop through the experience of mental illness. Firstly, resilience, that when we're knocked about by life's events, we develop the capacity 
to bounce back and to be made stronger by those experiences so that they don't destroy us. Secondly, perseverance. Again, I just think this is so important. It's the capacity to keep going no matter what, rather than running away and to develop maturity and wisdom and real interior strength in that process. And thirdly, trust. You know, the capacity to learn to trust other people um, and to trust God, our Father, really trust Him, not just talk about it, but actually trust Him, learning that I am actually unconditionally loved by Him and learning to trust others that they'll look after me when I can't. And the capacity as well, I think, really importantly, to admit honestly when I don't trust Him and to give myself permission to look after and protect myself in that. I think the other key strengths that this kind of gives to us, this whole experience of mental illness um, within this faith context is, is spiritual maturity. You know, I think any form of suffering really, uh, it forces our, you know, the frameworks with which we engage life, we engage our spiritual journey, it, it forces them to expand. Uh, we either have to walk away in the face of the suffering or, or they have to expand. And in that, uh, all spiritual superficiality or wanting God to just be a magician who waves his wand and fixes all problems instantly, that kind of gets blasted out of the water, I think. It's given me a capacity to to confront reality, to be a truth teller rather than to live in denial, which is what we seem to love to do as human beings. And I think the last couple of things are just compassion and tenderness. I think just the daily struggle with mental illness for years develops within us as human beings a real compassion and a real tenderness for other people who also suffer. And again, this is something that moves from just being a concept that we might learn about in a course on mental health to being something that we we move out of, that we breathe, as it were, because of our own experience and being able to offer hope to other people um, through what we've learned. There's some really beautiful strengths and gifts that come out of this. Um, and I guess for people that do suffer with mental illness, they're really beautiful things to strive for and to see, you know, after this suffering or through this suffering, what they can learn and how they can grow. But what are some practical things that Christians can do to like heal from mental illness or to help their own mental health stay strong? Well, probably the first thing I would say and ask to that is just seek support. Um, I kind of had this idea back in my early years of struggling that I'd be able to fix this on my own or that I'd be able to fix it full stop. Um, and the thing that I've just learned is that um, somehow we have to learn to live with the mess and and reconcile to that and more than reconcile to it, almost befriended in some ways but we need people to help us in that process and that means reaching out reaching out to family members and friends and being honest about what's going on reaching out to wise people within our faith communities who can act as you know genuine spiritual guides in the confusion and the difficult paths that mental health issues can lead us down reaching out to healthcare professionals who are trained and effective in their practice uh, an obvious first stop is your gp and then seeking a competent and compassionate counselor or psychologist or if the gp um, refers you to a psychiatrist as well a psychologist doesn't need to be a Christian necessarily, but they should be able to work with and respect your Christian faith. My own counsellor wasn't a Christian. I saw her for 18 months, but she was an extraordinarily gifted, wise and mature practitioner. And she really worked with my faith in a way that made me feel deeply respected. In terms of just general mental health, I always think it's really important for all of us to have at least one good friend 
in place, who's your go-to person when life is treating you badly. So this is this is the kind of si- the situation. Often when we get into a bad place, whether mental health or just life, we kind of get a bit lost in that moment. We don't know what to do. If we have someone in place already prearranged who we can just call up at that time, they expect us to call up at that time, just have a good talk and a good cry, then it makes it easier when we're in a difficult place. It's just our go-to thing. I think a daily commitment to prayer and contemplation, that's something that we have to build up in our lives. A good supportive faith community and then just some really practical things, regular exercise. Like I try to exercise at least every second day now. My thing is to go for a, a kilometer swim at the local pool does wonders. Uh, and when I let that go, things go wrong. A commitment to eating well, having clear boundaries about how much work I do when I shut my office door at night, all those kind of things. And if I can be a little bit maybe controversial and I might say hand in hand with a commitment to silence and contemplation, I just think putting boundaries on the usage of technology and social media. Um, people are just constantly on these days and that might be unavoidable insofar as it relates to work. I, I get that. But in the last 10 years, I think it's fair to say that our culture has developed what might be called an addiction to the internet, smartphones, and social media. And this experience of being constantly switched on leads to the kind of effects which I think are detrimental to our mental health. We can't be present to ourselves. We can't be present to other people. It's difficult to put boundaries in our lives where we just shut down. And so I just think in terms of developing a still contemplative approach to life and having really rich relationships, that it might be a good thing to put some clear boundaries in place around that as well. Awesome. They are such good practical and solid tips that aren't, you know, you're not making us reach for the stars. They're just little things that we can do every day of our lives to look after our mental health. Or also if you suffer from mental illness, heal from that. Thank you so much, Father Dan, for this conversation. It's been really good to just come and chat with you and learn more about your experience um, and also with your Masters of Counseling as well. This is really solid advice. So thank you so much. I will be praying for you and your ministry, especially here um, working in the seminary. Pray for all the seminarians as well. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you too. God bless, Danny. Thank you so much for listening to the Catholic Influencers Podcast today. It's such a blessing to have you listen and learn along with us. We're definitely praying for everyone um, battling with mental illness and anyone that knows a loved one or knows anyone suffering through this. If you do need help, definitely reach out to Lifeline Beyond Blue and get that support that you need to overcome this. Until next time, God bless.